Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. Reach out to Hector. He's easy to get a hold of. He's local. 940-453-3490. Also brought to you by Greening Law. If you have had a car accident, something of that nature, you need to reach out to Greening Law. They will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 184, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And you will be. You are going to be dazzled and entertained like a crazy mofo here on this episode of the podcast. (laughs) We've got ESPN Cowboys insider Todd Archer, uh, and, and I think we get Todd to say a cuss word twice when we talk to him today. Oh, this is a rare treat and a joy, I think. This is our last podcast before Christmas. We will not be doing a podcast coming up for this Friday because it'll be Christmas Eve, and we're going to be taking some time. I'll be traveling. I know you're going to be out and about doing all kinds of things as well, but we've got a lot to get into. Before we get into that How about Hector Flores, man? Our guy at Modern Woodmen of America. Now, it's a fraternal financial organization. It's non-fee-based. It costs absolutely nothing to meet with Hector. And I'll tell you this because we're about to flip into the new year. So everybody is going to be trying to get tax refunds and start filing taxes. Some of us will wait till April 15th. But some people do that like in January. Well, did you know Hector will tell you that if you receive more than $500, in a tax refund, he asks you to adjust their W-4, mainly because his whole thing, why give the government an interest-free loan? He said that he had one client who received an average of $6,000 in a refund from the government, and he said that he was able to adjust that and start using that money to get out of debt, and basically, I mean, think about that, $6,000 a year in your tax return, that's $500 a month extra that you could have in your paycheck. Well, yeah, you know, the thing about... (laughs) Here's the deal, man. I've talked to a lot of financial people over the years. And the thing I like about what Hector does is what he does makes sense. And it's just stuff that I've heard before. Uh, so I know that it's real and that it works. And uh, that's exactly right. That's that should be the goal. The goal is to have a, uh, a zero tax refund coming back because you're giving the exact amount that you should be in taxes. And then you're using the other part to uh, to build your own empire, so to speak. And so, you know, I think the thing about Hector, man, is give him a chance. What he says makes sense. And the best thing he does is create a plan for you to follow. 
Yeah, and he's got a bunch of different ways that he can do this. And again, that's just one of the ways that, they, that he will help you find money you may already even have, just like that. How to utilize it to help you plan for you and your family's future. It's Hector Flores. Give him a call. He's easy to get a hold of. 940-453-3490. That's his cell phone. All right. He's got it with him all the time. He's a local guy. He'll get with you and help you out. 940-453-3490. Also, of course, our friends, the attorneys, the green team at Greening Law. As you know, we are about to wrap up the year, the year in which I had, I had never been in a car accident in my life until the one that I was in in January or in July, rather, in which my car was totaled. It was really nasty. I had to go to the hospital, all kinds of stuff. I was hurt in a car accident and it sucked and I was able to work and I still am working because I still have some back issues that I've been working with the staff at Greening Law and they have been taking care of all the stuff with the insurance companies and all those types of things and they've been allowing me to focus on myself getting my health and my renewal back while they are my competitor against the insurance company and it's something that it really it kind of gives you a peace of mind especially at first when you're starting out because Anytime you have a car that's totaled or anytime you have a major case like something like this where you're hurt on the premises of a business or something, it can be a lot to try and navigate through, which is why you bring in Robert Greening and his green team. No, man, the green team is fantastic. Uh, you know, they've won a lot of awards for doing what they do. And the thing I like about a man is they don't get paid unless you get paid, which means they're always grinding for you. You don't have to wonder if they're working hard for you. You don't have to wonder if they consider another client more important. No, they don't get paid unless you get paid, so they are working their butts off for you. And to me, that's what you want in an attorney, man. Um, And so, you know, I always tell people, you have anything, any kind of issue, you call the green team, you tell them your situation, and you see if they'll take you on as a client. Exactly, because as you mentioned, it it costs you nothing. It's free. The consultation is absolutely free to call them and they will talk you through and see if you've got something. Give them a call. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. We got to get into a Cowboys conversation coming off the win over the New York football giants. And I, I love this. This is one of my favorite bits that people will do Even Cowboys fans that don't think they're all that, they'll sit there and go, oh, they haven't played anybody. Look at who they've lost to. Guess what, kids? The Dallas Cowboys are the second seed. They are the two seed right now in the NFC. There is only one team in the NFL that has lost fewer games than the Dallas Cowboys, and that's the Green Bay Packers. So you can't just circle the Cowboys and make an example out of them unless you circle 31 out of the 32 teams in the NFL. It's a weird year this year, man. Well, I think, um, you know, what people have to come to grips is there's no great team this year. I mean, I think to me that that's the main takeaway is there's no great team. And if there's no great team, it's about who gets hot. Mm -hmm. And you're just sitting there waiting like, please, 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 can we just see the Cowboys offense from earlier, pair it with this defense. And now that we see right now, and wow, we cook it with grease. But we haven't seen that. And so you're just hoping and praying that the offense will get jump-started, you know, sometime soon. We're also talking about a team that just won three straight road games. They are 3-0 and in the month of December, so they're not falling off like apparently some believe that they do. Also, when you look at the NFC, nobody else has a, has a winning streak longer than the Cowboys. The Packers have also won three in a row. That's it. Nobody else even has a three-game win streak except for Dallas and the Packers. And in the entire NFL, 
only the Chiefs and the Dolphins have won more than three straight games. So when we talk about doing things at the right time of the season, the Cowboys, is it pretty? No, but they are winning. And they're putting together back-to-back-to-back wins, which, as I just told you, nobody else, 29 out of the 32 teams in the NFL, are not doing that. Dude, the name of the game is, can you win a ball game? Uh, You know, and it becomes a lot of times, okay, would you take a boring 21-6 win over the Giants? Or would you take a well-played, exciting 30-28 loss to the Bucs? You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Clearly, they played better against the Bucks, but they lost. Played worse against the Giants, but they won. You want dubs. However you can get them, however you can make it happen, you want dubs. They got a dub this weekend, so enjoy it. Um, I get the whole style point thing, but, I mean, the offense is just uh, bad right now. And so you just have to take what you can get right now. Yes, and we're recording this on Tuesday evening, but it's before Seattle and Los Angeles play and before, obviously, Washington and Philadelphia as well. If the Rams win, that would give the NFC four teams that are sitting at 10-4, and but the Cowboys would still have the two seed. And I think there's some confusion on this because people are going, well, no, 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 no. Tampa beat the Cowboys, so they're ahead. No. So the way that it works in the NFL is if more than two teams have the same record, then it goes to the next tiebreaker, which is conference record. And believe it or not, in the NFC, the Dallas Cowboys actually have the best record in the NFC of any team. Their record in the NFC is even better than Green Bay. They've only lost to one NFC team. That was Tampa. They've won their other eight games against NFC competition. So since they are 8-1 and one against the conference, they have the tiebreaker ahead of Tampa, Arizona, and the Rams even though those teams are all also 10-4. and four. So that's why Dallas right now is the two seed. And that actually comes into some importance because if they can beat Washington next Sunday, they are then 9-1 and one in conference play, and they would not be able to be caught by either Tampa, Arizona. I guess technically the Rams could still catch them, but it depends on what happens tonight. But point right. being is that because of how good they've been against the NFC, there's a very good chance. Now, if they beat Arizona, then that would eliminate Arizona. But there's a good chance that if the Cowboys end up tied with Tampa and Los Angeles, the Cowboys, if they win these next couple of games, would still be the two seed. Dude, I think um, I think what you're hoping for is for the Cowboys to play their best football. I mean, I'm being realistic here. And to end the season, the regular season, as the number two seed with a six-game winning streak. And uh, be uh, what is that thirteen and four, heading into the playoffs. And I don't, I don't think that's like, oh my god, how could that ever happen? Because you expect them to beat uh, uh, Washington, and then I think you know Arizona is not the Arizona we saw from a month ago. So you know it'll be a good game. Um, I probably still give Dallas a slight edge because they're at home. And then the last game against Philly. Um, I think they're going to have to win it because I think the playoff seating will be yeah. too tight for them to just go, eh, it's whatever. Yeah, it's it's going to wind up like that because I have a feeling they're going to be tied with a team or two there for that two seed. And you go, well, it's not the one seed. Okay, you're right, it's not. But guess what? If you're the two seed, if you win your wild card game, you get to be home again the next week to host a divisional round. And that's a big deal for this Cowboys team that's been better at home than they have been on the road this year. And you sure as hell don't. If you can just be at home as long as possible for these playoffs, even if you don't have the one seed, I'll take it. And I do think it's funny because somebody on Twitter told me how Tampa or the Rams would smoke the Cowboys. They're not good. 
And I was like, that's weird because they already played Tampa and they barely lost. And Dallas beat the Saints by 10 and Tampa had no prayer against New Orleans. So I don't know what to tell you, guy. <laughs> you know, just stop it, man. There's no great team in the NFC. So it's about who gets hot, who gets hot at the right moment and who's playing good on a particular day. Well, I'll tell you this in the AFC, you know, who's getting hot. Kansas City, who's won seven straight, they're going to be hard as hell to beat because I, I have a feeling they're going to end up with the number one seed. They'll get a bye, and then you've got to win somehow. you got to go into Arrowhead and beat them in January. Tough. You know, people are saying that about, about Green Bay, too, that, oh, man, if Green Bay gets home field. And I thought, I was like, you know, the Giants beat them in the NFC title game in Lambeau in 07, and then just last year, Tampa went in and beat them in Lambeau in January. And it's really strange because much like we are pissed that the Cowboys can't get just to the championship game, I think we forget that Aaron Rodgers has played in six NFC title games, and he's only ever won it once. Wow, you're taking shots at the group, at the goat. I've just always, again, I think sometimes you have to illustrate how hard this is. Aaron Rodgers, one of the greats of all time, has only ever been to one Super Bowl despite being in the Final Four six times. It's hard to win, brother. <laughs> yes, it is. So it'll be interesting because there's a lot still at play. I mean, my it, it, this is such a weird year for the NFL. I mean, again, there's only three games left. There's 13 out of the 16 teams in the AFC are 500 or better. Somewhere Roger Goodell is just grinning I mean, because this is the parody that he wanted, that he craved. Pete Rozelle is sipping a beer in heaven somewhere talking about this is fantastic. Talking to Tech Schramm about this is exactly what I wanted. He is. And that's what's so funny is you look at it in the AFC and you go, wow, Denver, oh, you must not be very good. You're in 12th place. Yeah, you're one game out of the playoffs. Depending on how things go, it's it's, it's wild in the AFC. The NFC is a little bit, they're not as as bad as the AFC goes. But, you know, you look at that cluster of teams that's behind the division the of doom, San Francisco at eight and six. The Vikings and the Saints at seven and seven. We'll see what happens with Washington and Philly today. One of them will be seven and seven. The other will be six and eight, where Atlanta is. And then if Seattle were to knock off the Rams, they're six and eight. They're, I mean, there's so many teams, especially in the NFC, you're really fighting for six and seven. But in the AFC, I mean, holy hell. I mean, think about that. If you're Denver, you're seven and seven. You're two games behind New Orleans, who's nine and five, and they're the two seed right now. Bro, the best thing you can do. Is win your games and let it play out, man. But you got to win. And so, however you get it done is however you get it done. But you better get it done. Well, maybe they'll get it done then. So, I wanted to get into this article that you had that you had in the Dallas Morning News, by the way. You know, the award-winning Dallas Morning News. One of the best sports sections in the country. Perhaps you're familiar yes. with it. Yes, I am. <laughs> so you had an article. I do say so. I do say so. I do say so, kind sir. Yes, indeed you do. It is the Dallas Morning News of which you write. So your article, and you don't know the headline maybe, but I'll tell you what it is. To reach desired postseason heights, the Cowboys need CeeDee Lamb to correct his game's biggest flaw. And you go through it. And I thought it was really interesting, too, because it's not just that, but it's going to perhaps play out of what the Cowboys will do in the offseason with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup because CeeDee Lamb has got a damn problem dropping the ball. Well, it was highlighted this week because he dropped three passes. And so, you know, man, when you're CeeDee Lamb 
and your offense is struggling, you just can't be dropping passes, bro. No. And a couple of them were big plays. And what did we just talk about? They didn't have any big plays in the game. And so they can't afford for the one of their best players not to take advantage of big play opportunities, man. No, they especially like you talked about, and you break it down in the article at the times in which they happen when the ball hits you in both your hands and you're in the NFL. I've always been an my mentality is if you are in the NFL and you are a receiver and you get a hand on it, you should catch it. That's just how I feel. You should have a catch radius that is more than, well, the quarterback didn't put, he didn't throw it right into your numbers. Okay. He put it in a, he put it in a radius. You're in, you're in the NFL. This isn't high school. This is the NFL. You're supposed to be the best receivers on the planet. If it is within your arm, you should find a way to catch the damn football. Yeah. That's how but I they're feel. also human. They're also human. So they're not going to always catch every pass, but you know, some passes are more important than others. And so, you know, to me, it's the one, there's about three minutes left in the third, in the second quarter, where he's in the slot, he's running across the field. They're at the, it's, I think the Cowboys are at their 40, and he's open. He's at the Giants 40. Yeah. Dak hits him perfectly, because, you know, Dak has been um, a little less accurate than usual lately. And he drops it, dog. Yep. <laughs> and you're just like, not right there, bro. Not right there. We need that one. And so, you know, it's plays like that, man. You know, last year he was fourth in the league and drops with nine. He's got six this year. But, of course, three just happened the other day. So it's not like he's been doing it. But it couldn't have happened at a worse time uh, for him. Yeah, and this, it's really interesting with CD for me because he has benefited highly. I mean, you look at it, his numbers, he already has more receiving yards this year than he did last year. He's easily going to crack 1,000. I think he's if I, I think he's like three, four catches away from surpassing what he did last year. But the thing of it is, is the benefit that he gets. Have you seen Mari Cooper's numbers? It's, it's, and I know he missed a couple of games. He only has two 100-yard games, but I think what's crazier those are the only two games he has all season, Amari Cooper, over 70 yards receiving. Well, it's getting a lot of attention, man. And what happens is you need Gallup and CD to take advantage of that mm-hmm. and have big plays. And when they do, they'll slack off of Amari and then he'll start busting people's ass again. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, I mean, Amari Cooper right now, and granted he's played in two fewer games. He's only played in 12, but he has eight games of his 12 under 60 yards receiving this year. And you look at it, CD is the leader in targets. He's the leader in receptions. He has nine more than CD. He's the only Cowboys receiver over 900. I don't know that that you're going to see, like Dalton Schultz almost has as many yards receiving as Amari Cooper does this year, which is wild. Guy, you know they're getting rid of Blake Jarwin in the offseason. <laughs> well, you don't know that. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. He might command so much money. No, that's fair. That, uh, that he bounces and, and Blake Jarwin is your – you know, your, um, what do you call it, consolation prize who you've already signed. Yeah, but to your point kind of in the article is, you know, Lamb has to prove he can be the guy. Otherwise, the Cowboys are going to have to keep Cooper around, and they'll just keep Cooper and Lamb, and then they won't have enough when they slice up the pie for Gallup to be a Cowboy next year. And obviously, like Cedric Wilson and some of these other guys are going to have to move on. 
Lamb has to show that he can be that guy, though. And, and, and it's it's more than just looking at the numbers and saying, well, what do you mean? He's 7 for 940. He's their number one. Well, no. Being a number one, man, is can you beat double coverage consistently? Can you make plays at winning time consistently? Can you be the hardest worker in the room? Can you be that lead dog who makes that tough catch on third and six when everybody knows they got to throw? Can they get it to you on the slant? And can you catch it and deliver? That's what the number one guy is. That's what Amari Cooper is. Um, you trust him on the big plays and the big moments to make the play. CeeDee Lamb is terrific, man. But there's a difference between two and one. And the question is, can you be a one? We know you can be a two, hell of a two. No, you can be a one A, but can you be a one? That's the question. That is a question. And, and I'm not 100% that we have that answer yet. You know, the other thing is when you look at stats at this point in the season are always fun. I know there's still three games remaining and what have you. But when you look at what Dak has done this season and we give a lot of crap, it's funny. You know, this is right now the highest completion percentage he's ever had in his career. He's at 68.5 right now. Yeah, he's he he had 68 last year before he got hurt. 68.5 would be 0.5 better than that in the highest of his career. Wow. And I wouldn't have thought that, honestly. No. It's a long season, though, man, and, you know, these slumps and things happen for weeks, and you think, oh, it dominates the season, and really it's just for for a moment in time for the season. And, of course, he as a rookie, he had his highest quarterback rating. He had a 104.9, but the last few years, he had a 96.9, a 99.7, a 99.6, and this year a 98.1, so kind of right in the range of, of what we've had with Dak as far as QB rating goes. But that completion percentage, and you look at some of the things that he's done, Yards per attempt is where, you know, the lack of some of the big plays in recent weeks are catching up to him because his yards per attempt is only 7.3, which is well behind where he had been in each of the past two seasons. Well, dude, you should be averaging eight yards in an attempt if you're Dak Prescott with yeah. these receivers that the Cowboys have. Uh, teams are taking it away, and so they're forcing you to play a different style of ball. And that's why his average per attempt is, I think it's been under six the last two weeks, which is terrible. Um, but if they can ever get the big plays back, it'll be back up to eight or nine. I mean, I think last year he was eight and a half before he got hurt, and that was fantastic. Yeah, it was. So another opportunity, Cowboys and Washington, Sunday night football coming up this week. We're not going to have the the preview episode, but basically I think they're going to win. I actually think coming home and being at home – after being on the road for three straight weeks, I think we may see them get back on track a little bit. Washington will be coming in off of on a short week, been dealing with all this COVID crap that they've had to go through. I think this is a game the Cowboys, again, control. I think it'll be similar to what we saw them do to Washington in Washington a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think Washington gets back in this one. I think this is an easy win for Dallas. Really? I think they have such a problem with the what with the Washington off defense, man? I think it's just hard for them to get any easy wins against Washington. I think it'd be a lot to a lot closer game. I think it'll probably be a touchdown uh, because they just have a hard time generating offense. Now, if they can get all those turnovers, maybe it'd be different. Mm-hmm. But damn, dog, how many weeks in a row they go get four turnovers? That's true. There's no way you're doing it four weeks in a row. But they'll get two. They'll get two turnovers. I mean, the Washington quarterbacks are poop. They'll get a couple of turnovers, and then they'll get a short field. And I don't know. I just I think being Sunday night football at home, the big stage, 
I think being at home for the next couple of weeks is, if it's going to, if this offense is going to start looking more like it used to, they've got two weeks at home to figure it out. And after that, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm done. Because <laughs> then you go to Philadelphia, who cares? And then in the playoffs, I will have no faith whatsoever that your offense can get rolling. I'm not uh, I'm not too far behind you on that, man. I think it's it's time. It's been past time. And you just like if it's ever going to click, it's got to be soon. It's kind of like when we tell you guys about Bruce Biltong and we sit here and go, look, if you're ever going to try, you, you're going to need to do it now. Otherwise, what are you, you? You're just wasting time. You're chewing on normal beef jerky and you're going, well, I, li- I like beef jerky. Yeah, but you would love Biltong. That's the thing. Biltong is a traditional South African air dried meat. It's more tender. It's more savory than beef jerky. It's similar, but it's not beef jerky. It's actually called biltong. That's what the South African word for it is. Bruise Biltong is the brand. Available for you online at bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. Hell, you get 15% off when you order. If you use the promo code JAM15, gives you an opportunity to try out some really good stuff at a really good price that Jacques and I both love. I love the hell out of Biltong. It's badass. Eat it. There it <laughs> is. I brought slice, it back. <laughs> it's the sliced Biltong for me, man. It's succulent. It's juicy. It's, uh, you know, it's terrific. I love it. It's a great afternoon snack for me, man. 240 calories in a pouch, in a two-ounce pouch. Two-ounce pouch. There you go. With uh, 30 grams of protein, mm-hmm. man. No carbs, no sugar, no additives. It's fantastic. It really is. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I know many of you have reached out and have sent pictures and let us know that you ordered some and how much you like it, and now you're hooked as well. I'm telling you, once you try Biltong, you're going to want it in your pantry nonstop from here on out. Bruise Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisebiltong.com, promo code JAM15, and you get 15% off your order, so go order it right now. Also, our buddies at False Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills. I'm excited because I'll be heading into Dallas on Christmas Day. I'll be in Dallas all next week, which means at some point, I will be swinging by False Idol Brewing myself and putting together at least one case of beer, maybe two. We'll see. We'll see how much I want to travel back with. But False Idol Brewing, man... I've been telling you about these guys for a long time. Absolutely love False Idols beers, and especially this time of the year, like you, Jacques, being a stout fan, they, yeah. they just don't make better stouts than you can get at False Idol Brewing. It's, it's just the best. No, nah, they're the king of the stout, man. Uh, thick, or, you know, a lot of viscosity, terrific flavor, terrific taste, fantastic mouth. What else can you say, man? It's uh, what they do is the best. I've never had a bad one from them. They've got one case left of the Oogie Boogie Nightmare Barrel-Aged Peanut Butter Cookie Imperial Stout. One case is left. That means six four-packs. So you might want to swing by and get that because, you know what, I'm going to text them tonight and be like, hey, hold one for me. (laughs) But you got to get it, man, because that's going to be amazing. They're putting out beers every Friday. Now, they're not going to have one this Friday because of Christmas Eve, and the next one, of course, is New Year's Eve. But get out there and support these guys. If you are a craft beer fan, you cannot go wrong. Everything I've ever had from False Idol, I had my my app, my untapped app, it, they send you a end-of-the-year beer review, and they, they count tally up like the beers you've had and all this type of stuff. Right. I'm scared to see how many have you had. 
Um, 990 this year. Different. 990 unique beers. And there's still 10 days left in the year. I can have 1,000 different beers. It'll be easy to do. But I had 140 check-ins from False Idol this year. Wow. Now, how much of that? I mean, some of that's because you work there. Yeah. But yeah. the beer is fantastic. And so that, I think they just gave you more opportunities to sell oh, no all their stuff. I mean, I was trying everything. I mean, I, I love False Idol. I think they're fantastic. I think you guys will really enjoy them. You can swing by. It's local. It's family-owned. It's in North Richland Hills. It's just north of 183. Make sure you let them know that you heard about it on the Jam Session podcast. And they always love talk, talking to you guys. And we really appreciate you supporting them. So make sure you get out and do that. Let's take this trip around the block. Because I, I got to bring something up real quick. Because earlier, before we started recording, I go, what did I say? I was like, oh, my God. What is there something? And you go, what? I said, oh, I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. Because this seems fake. Because I just looked, I just looked on my weather app. The high on Christmas Day in Dallas is 85 degrees. Bruh. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> That's Bruh. inexcusable. They need to build a bubble around the city and pump in air conditioning or something. 85 degrees. I'm going to be wearing shorts and a t-shirt on Christmas Day at my parents' house. I mean, that's ridiculous. 85 I mean, there's, degrees. There's, that's dumb. There are worse things, man. Um, if it'll make you feel any better, I'll be cold uh, in Philly. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to spend Christmas morning in Dallas and then go to Philly uh, for a day or two with my sister before coming back and uh, my kids. And so, uh, yeah, if that'll make you feel better, I'll be in that rotten city freezing. God, man. 80 degrees on Friday, Christmas Eve. 85 on Christmas Day. 82 the day after Christmas. 78 on Monday. I mean, it's insane. Hell, even on New Year's Eve at 66, man, what are we doing? Global warming. I mean, man, you know, when it's, when it's supposed to be cold, be cold. You want to be, instead of being 85 in December, you want to be 117 in July, knock yourself out. All right? Make up the difference in July, weather <laughs> God. I, I mean, that's just silly, man. 85 degrees. I don't want to wear shorts. On Christmas Day. But I'm going to have to because I'll be too hot and I'll sweat. Well, I was going to say you can wear long johns if that'll make you feel better. No, I'm not going to do that. You know, I had a couple of new hoodies I thought I might wear and, and rock while I'm in Dallas. Nope, can't do that because I'll be sweating my ass off. I'll, I mean, 85 degrees. Not that it's much better here. Birmingham's supposed to be 74 on Christmas Day. That's better than 85. Oh, dude, that's skinny as fat kid. Well, mid-70s feels better than mid-80s. It just does. That's true. <laughs> But, man, I saw that, and I just thought this is – because the problem is what happens is when you're traveling, if you're going to be that warm, that's one thing, but then don't be, like, in the 50s at night where you have to have warm stuff and you've got to change half the time. You know yeah, what I mean? It's going to lie, bro. I know, but, hey, it's the weather. This is my thing. The weather's like a fickle woman, man. You just got to ride with it because the coochie is great. <laughs> God. <laughs> man, my mom listens to this. That's why I said coochie. Okay, well, I guess that's, is that the more acceptable word? That's better than the. <laughs> I don't know what other word there is. Well, I mean, All right, let's move on. <laughs> the, the I don't JJ. know. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is like the time when my lady friend's mom was over here and they kept having those damn birth control commercials and it was like, I'm inside of my vagina. And I'm like, oh my God. 
This is the worst thing of all time. And, the, and it was like every commercial break, they kept playing that commercial. <laughs> yes, That's sir. just how it is, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, baby. All right, so I found this other thing, and I don't think this comes as any surprise to anybody, but you know how it is. They put out rankings and whatnot at the end of the year, and there's a new study out, and this is from Zillow, the real estate thing, and Allied Van Lines. And the top 2021 destination from people relocating from other parts of the country is the DFW area, the number one relocating hub in the country. I'm not even surprised, bro. Yeah, I'm not either. I am kind of surprised. I wouldn't have guessed the other two that were right behind them. So Dallas-Fort Worth is number one for relocations. Charlotte is next. Sarasota, Florida was number three as metro areas that were listed on the most change of address cards this year. I could have seen Charlotte. I would have never guessed Sarasota. I guess Charlotte's like a is kind of a, a big growth spot right now. I've only been to Charlotte one time, and I was only there for a couple of days. No, that's a big growth spot, man. It's the Bible Belt. It's um, it's just one of those cities that, for whatever reason, has got has caught fire now, and it's also the reason why, uh, in, in all seriousness, man, why cities and municipalities want sports teams. Yeah, I mean, you got the Charlotte Panthers, the Hornets. You got the, I mean, Hornets or Bobcats um, or whatever they are. No, they're the Hornets yeah, again. Got, yeah, yeah. You got basketball, you got hockey, you got uh, football, and you got NASCAR. Once you get those things and you figure out how to give tax breaks so that those people can build stadiums and stuff, it's not hard to do the same thing with businesses. Yeah, the weird thing about Charlotte for me is that the SEC network is headquartered there, and the there is no SEC team in North Carolina. I've always thought that was really yeah, weird. you know what? That's, you're, you're exactly right because Marcus uh, – Marcus Spears was living there, and I was like, what are you doing in Charlotte? He's like, that's where the SEC network is. Yeah. I was like, for real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird because the SEC, the, the headquarters for the league, the conference, is in Birmingham. But the network right. is headquartered in Charlotte, and there is no SEC team in North Carolina. I mean, the closest one, obviously, is South Carolina because Paul Feinbaum had to relocate up to Charlotte. It's really strange. I don't know why they decided Charlotte was where – they would put the network, but whatever. So the top three migrant, I guess, like like the cities that they're leaving, most of the migrants coming to the DFW area are coming from Los Angeles, Chicago, and Phoenix. I know why they're coming from L.A., because that postage stamp that you got for a million dollars in L.A., you can come to Dallas, buy a great house for 500000 put the other 500000 in the bank and live like a king. That's why they're coming from L.A., um, Phoenix, I don't know why they're coming. In Chicago, I think it's a lot of the. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not that dissimilar from L.A. Except you can move, you can drop right down. A lot of businesses are relocating too and bringing their companies. Yep. Their corporate offices are moving to Dallas or Frisco or you know surrounding areas, and that's why the DFW metropolitan area man is now I think number seven, uh, and it had been behind Houston, but they've passed Houston. And, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's crazy to me. It is. It's, but, you, it's, but you can tell we got real traffic now. No, we it's not insane. Have, we used to not have what I would call big city traffic. Well, we got big city traffic now, man. Like rush hour starts at like 3 o'clock. It used to really not start till like 4.30 or so. Yeah, it's, it's a beating. There's no doubt about it. And 
you know, it's interesting. Apparently, they say that Phoenix has become like Austin, where it's just so expensive that people, the, the appeal of living in that area has really died off. And they also project that by 2030, so in the next nine years, or I guess eight years, Texas is expected to add more than 5 million residents. Now, that's the state. That's not just DFW, but that's, I mean, we all know where people live. That means Dallas-Fort Worth is going to, you would think, get at least a couple of million of those people. Well, that's Dallas, that's Houston, that's Austin, man. They're great places to live, depending on what you're looking for. Um, And, you know, the way that they're attracting businesses I mean, I mean, look at what Frisco's done yeah. in attracting businesses in the last decade. I mean, it's just insane, man. Uh, and then what happens, man, is as more of these communities and suburbs grow, you wonder how long until we're basically touching suburban Houston. You know what I mean? I don't think it's that. I completely agree with you. I've. It feels like it's it, like touching Austin is realistic because North Austin – you know, at some point that is going to connect to like the Temple Belton area. And then once right. that happens, what stops it from Waco? I, I mean, it's that's why they're talking about building these bullet trains, man, that can zip around the state so fast because at some point and hell, it may happen in our lifetime. I mean, I don't think it would be absurd to think that in another 40 years, that entire I-35 corridor is nothing but city. Well, I'm about to turn the double nickel and I just told a friend of mine I plan to live at least 40 more years. So it should happen in our lifetime. Yeah, see? And by that time, we'll be living on the moon and maybe on Mars. Who knows? But I, I just like to live in a nice house in the suburbs. <laughs> no moon for you? Stuff. All right, yeah, fair enough. Keep me out of the nursing home. All right, did you see? This is an interesting thing for me because I, I, I hadn't thought about this, but apparently they are trying to figure out a new name for that part of Deep Ellum where Bottled Blonde and that new bar Citizen are. That is like the trendy club area of Dallas. That's why we, why we got to find a new name for it, man. Well, because apparently it's not Deep Ellum, and and they feel like it's not. Uh, it's a corner of Deep Ellum, but it has nothing in common with Deep Ellum, and so they feel like they're trying to figure out what to call this. Like it's <laughs> it's the next like unique, individualized entertainment district that they've been trying to push. And it, I, I, had, I was reading this article about this. I was like, wow, really? That's interesting. And they deeper Ellum. Well, see, that's one thing that they had brought up is calling it deeper Ellum. But they say that it's <laughs> I'm serious. They say it's the part that lies between Old East Dallas, the Dallas Arts District, downtown and deep Ellum. Now, I didn't know this. There's a company called Downtown Dallas Incorporated, which gets involved and they promote and market these sectors and they don't have a name Dude. for it either. So they're trying to figure out a way to better market and promote that because it's bottled blonde, it's citizen, it's like green light social, the sporting club, all that that's right there. And one that I think sticks, they said North Deep Ellum and like, no, the feeling isn't quite right. And these people that own these bars and stuff that are there say, I never describe it as Deep Ellum. It's not the Deep Ellum vibe. One that I think might work is no good because it's a truncation of North Good Latimer, which is the road that all these things are off of. Yeah, but I don't think anybody wants to be associated with no good. Yeah, but it's kind of like you ever go to some of these other cities like like Denver has a bunch of them that are weird. Like that. Uh, they, they have Lodo, which is lower downtown. Right. and Houston's like, got one of those. Yeah, they do. They do have something like that. And I wonder if I maybe that's what like, you call it. Edo, maybe. Just, East downtown. Edo would be better than no good. 
Like, are you, hey, are you guys going to Edo? Oh, no, we're going to keep going to Deep Elm. Something like that? Okay, that could work. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was downtown today um, having lunch, and uh, I noticed that uh, – I wonder if it's the same thing. I know these signs, uh, we are downtown and it's DallasDowntown.com. And uh, it's, you know, it's apparently it's it's a group that like is in charge of stuff like this. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because you would never think about something like this. Right. And, and just the, the because Dallas used to have one of the worst downtowns for a big city ever. Oh, yeah. Easily. And now it's really pretty cool because there's a bunch of stuff to do. And like I said, you know, they got all kind of man-made parks and areas yeah. to sit and all this stuff. I mean, it downtown is really pretty vibrant these days, and it, it's a trip to me, man, because clearly, it, you know, for much of my life, it wasn't like that. Yeah, nobody ever used to go down in that area. I mean, even, you know, people can think what they want about Deep Ellum, but even back in the day, you might have gone to a couple of places in Deep Ellum, but it wasn't, like, super walkable and everything that it is in today's world. Yeah, and, no, and it's, a, it's a good deal. Like you're talking about nobody ever used to go to downtown. They'd go to uptown. but right. Or, you know, maybe back in the day, and it's it's fallen off, and they're trying to bring it back to West End before Victory Park was around. You know, people would go to West End, but nobody went to downtown. No, man, it was boarded up. And that's it one thing. like it was boarded up. I always thought Fort Worth had on Dallas was Fort Worth had a really cool downtown and they still do. I mean, Fort Worth's done a really good job, but they really were the ones that kind of went through and, and started to do some, you know, reinvesting into the downtown area of Fort Worth years ago to make it walkable and to make it where there's shops and eateries and places to live and all that down there. And it, man, it, it took like Dallas, like 20 years to be like, Oh, that's a pretty good idea. You know, we could have people living downtown with cool places to eat and drink. We Dude, should do nice. that, Dallas. <laughs> now it's pretty vibrant uh, with all the high rises around down here and uh, the restaurants. It's a it's a cool vibe in downtown Dallas, man. And you know we're talking about Deep Ellum or No Good or Edo or Edo or whatever they call it, <laughs> right? And that's not even talking about like Trinity Groves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, which yeah, is, all that. Yeah, which is two miles west. So it's all pretty cool, man. But that's where they're going to have to build up because, I mean, think about that. If 5 million people are expected to be in the state of Texas by 2030 and Dallas gets another mil, mil and a half of that, there's not a lot. People don't want to continue living further and further out. They're just going to build it up and they'll build more and more high rises and lofts and stuff like that. And there'll be more and more people living in actual downtown Dallas. I believe that. Which no is doubt. crazy. But, I mean, look, if you got to work downtown, you don't want to deal with the traffic of a major city. What do you do? You live down there. And then what? If you're living down there, well, build me a restaurant, build me a bar, build me some stuff to do I can walk to. And that, I think, is what Dallas finally, really in the last five to 10 years, has really done a lot better. Stuff like that. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's a, you know, I love the city, man. I think it's great. I do too. I'm, I'm obviously a big fan, big fan. But that's what that's one thing living in Birmingham that they're starting to do here now that 10 years from now, Birmingham, I think you're starting to see a point where Birmingham is going to start popping up on, you know, city lists like, hey, are you like looking Charlotte? Yeah, stuff like that, like best place to go or best town under whatever population or best. I think Birmingham's very close to being on a lot of lists that will start attracting people from around the country to be like, wow, really? I didn't know all that was there. Cause they're doing some really good stuff and they're investing a lot in, in, in kind of building back up downtown and putting some cool stuff down in the downtown Birmingham area. That'll be, you know, over the course of the next four or five years up and coming. 
But that's how it happens. That's what happened to Austin. You know, 20 years ago, Austin was keep Austin weird. And then it started appearing on all these lists and everybody was like, oh, wow, really? I want to go live there. And then everybody went and lived in Austin and now it's Dallas. Dude, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of what it is, you know? So one of those things. But as we continue forward here, and before we chat with Todd Archer, let's tell you, if we may, and since it's our podcast, we may, about Smokey John's Barbecue. And yes, many of you finally realize, we're not just kidding around, that the Jam Session Bowl is insane, such as Michael Leonard. Michael Leonard, who sent me a message on Twitter, he says, that Jam Session Bowl lives up to the hype. Glad y'all put me on to this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you're going to be glad too. It is massive. It is delicious. It is only for Jam Session listeners and only at Smokey John's Barbecue. Tell them what's in it, bro. Well, you get your choice. You can choose if you'd like. They're made from scratch, mashed potatoes, or mac and cheese. You get to top it with your choice of two different meats. You could choose some brisket, some pork, some rib. I mean, you can choose the turkey. It's delicious. And then you're going to choose your toppings. Maybe you like the green onions. Maybe you like sour cream, real bacon bits, little cheddar cheese. And then you're going to top it with that Smokey John's barbecue sauce. Yeah. And friend, when you bite into it, you'll be wondering, is this what heaven tastes like? You know? And God will. Take your girl with you. Yeah. You won't have to wonder whether there's going to be happy time. That's right, because it's guaranteed when you treat her to the jam session bowl. According to Jacques, yeah, don't is. come after me on that, okay? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but Smokey John's, man, it's awesome. It's just absolutely delicious. And this is the Jam Session Bowl only for Jam Session listeners. It's not on the menu. It's the secret menu. And when you order it, you get a complimentary drink. They're going to walk out. You know, Juan will be there, and he'll kind of wink at you when you say Jam Session Bowl, give you a little touch of the nose, a little signal, part of the Jam Session family. That's what is on stake at Smokey John's barbecue. So yeah, go get it. Man. Eat it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I'm going to tell a bunch of people to be eating there because all these Alabama people that are heading to Texas are like, hey, where are we supposed to eat the week of the game? Where do you like to go? I was like, Smokey John's, man. Go get go get the jam session bowl. Just trust me on that. They'd be like, what? Oh, secret menu. But it's awesome and they're good dudes. It's local, it's family owned. So support them and check them out. Also, of course, Aaron and his guys at HFX Foundation Solutions. We've been telling you about this, but it is true because unfortunately, like when you're a human being and you're like, oh, something's wrong with my poo. What should I do? Well, you go to the doctor and they check you out. Like Jacques tells you, colonoscopy. Like, let's just make sure what's going on. Houses, you can't do that. But you know what houses do? Houses don't have polyps. Houses don't have IBS. They have cracks in the foundation or the walls. They have sticking doors. They have sloped floors. That is your house telling you, schedule an appointment with Aaron, the doctor, so he can come check me out. There's no reason not to. Consultation is free. Um, you get checked out by Aaron and HFX, and it just gives you peace of mind, man. They don't find anything. Psh, it's time to pop some bottles. Let's throw a party. You don't have to worry about this for a decade. That's exactly right. And if, and if there is a problem, Chances are, chances are, you caught it early. And so it'll cost you a fraction of what it would cost you if, it, if you caught it late. So that's why we say do the colonoscopy for your house. Call Aaron and HFX. Let them give your house a complete one over. And so that you can pop bottles, especially with New Year's Eve coming up. Yeah, no doubt, man. 817-770-0174. Online at hfxfoundation.com. Do not mess around with your foundation. 
If you see these signs and you potentially may have a problem, don't try and guess. Give Aaron and his guys a call. Have them come out. It is a free, no obligation inspection. Give them a call. 817-770-0174. All right, it is time. We do it each and every week. We stop down for a bit. Brought to you, as always, by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. Our ESPN Cowboys insider, Todd Archer, joining us here. And Todd, Cowboys get a win. But Jacques and I were talking about this after the game that that Giants game, it it just felt boring. It's gotten to a point with this offense where it it's weird, but when the defense is out there, there's excitement, plays will be made, and when the offense is out there, you just kind of okay. I, I guess this is what it is now. Yeah, right. This is a trend. This is are we beyond a trend? This is like six or seven games. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can even go back to the Minnesota game. That, you know, but you expected it with Cooper Rush at quarterback. But there's been so many. It, 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 there's, there's no explosive plays now that we've seen. Didn't see any against Kansas City. Didn't see any last week against the Giants. And it, what I find funny is like, oh, they're playing shell coverage. You can't make big plays against shell coverage. Like it's the first time in the history of the NFL that someone's played two safeties deep over the top and they're not letting you take get anything big. Like this has been a staple of football for years. I, I don't, again, you know, it's the adjustment to the adjustment. And why can't they make it? They seem to have found something in the running game the last two weeks. We've thought we've seen some wider runs. Last week we saw some guard pulling and things like that. Um, that that has helped, you know, movement up front that has allowed them to do some things better. Now in the passing game, you know, their answer seems to be, especially in the red zone, hey, let's run this bubble screen. Well, if you run a bubble screen and either your wide receivers block to the other receiver, it ain't going anywhere. Or if the guy can't lose it in the sun. It ain't going anywhere. There's nothing like piercing about this passing game at the moment. How about that for an alliteration? You're you're making the defenses scared of what you're going to do. They're all just like, all right, cool, check it down. We're good. Don't try and threaten us. And and, and that's given the talent that we well, not even the talent that's on there now. Given what we saw at the start of the season, that just seems surprising. Yeah, I'm a little uh, befuddled um, by that. I'm a little surprised Kellen Moore. I mean, he's supposed to be a, a, a creative offensive mind, and we've certainly seen it. But it's like baseball, man. Um, when you can't hit a pitch, until you hit that pitch, man, the pitchers ain't throwing you nothing else. So until you prove that you can move the ball or run the ball consistently and make big plays against all this zone coverage you're seeing, you ain't going to see nothing else, bro, because everybody's now looking at the same tape saying, hey, they've got four plays of more than 20 uh, yards in the last three games and nearly 300 plays. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, baby. Let's see if the, you know, let's see if they can beat us doing what they've been doing. Right. Yeah, no one's blitzing him anymore or rarely blitzing them, I guess, is probably the better way to say it. So that doesn't have leave you an opportunity to make some big plays. It just seems everything seems to be stagnant. We, we, I think we talked about this last week. Not only is Dak in the slump, but the entire offense is in a slump, and I think that still kind of continued. I, I, I do think it was a little – the run game was better, especially in the first half. Second half, not so much. But, again, I, I just think they got to a point in that game where it was like, this game's over. Let's just get out of here. No one gets hurt going on to, to, to the next game. And they didn't – I'm usually like, okay, you got to get some style point wins at this point of the year. I don't know about that, right? And it just win the game. And then hopefully you're fixing your mistakes as you win. Maybe we'll see a little improvement in the passing game this week. 
against Washington. You, you want to see it, but they've proven that they can win. They can win boring, and we didn't really think they could win boring games entering this season. So I guess that's a good thing, too. But it, ultimately, it's not about winning the division. It's not about getting to the divisional round of the playoffs. It's about bigger things than that, and they're going to need this offense to contribute much more than it has. Yeah, at some point, you, you kind of mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, Todd, when you said it's it's a trend. At, at what point, now that it's been seven weeks or however long it's been, we've seen the offense be more this than we saw the explosive offense in the first six weeks. At what point is this somehow just what this team is now? Yeah, that's beyond a trend now. Like, this is kind of what they are until they show us they're not. So, they, to use us now, they show us they can hit the inside fastball and, and not just swing and miss the entire time. Um, they're, they're forcing back to play boring football. We, I just did a conference call with Dan Orlovsky and ESPN, and he was talking about Patrick Mahomes and how he has to embrace boring ball into in, in respect and check it down and make easy throws. And you can kind of make the same argument for Dak, that he has to just be boring and check it down. And he did that, by and large, against, against the, the Giants. He had... 75% completion rate, somewhere around there. He threw for 217 yards. Like, you have to be happy with that. And then what happened? He tries to get the, the rollout throw back, and he, and he wants to throw it deep to Cooper, and, it's a, and, and he fumbles. And not only that, Cooper wasn't even open. There was another cornerback coming where the safety was. So, like, that tells you that it's hard. That, that day, it was hard for Dak to stay patient. Now, the game was out of reach, they weren't going to win that game, so maybe that's the time you kind of do it. I do think Dak has a good risk-reward meter in his head, um, so maybe that was the right time to take the chance. But they have to – They have to. coaches have paid a lot of money to help their players and put them in the best position possible. You want to see Kellen Moore do that. And one thing Orlovsky talked about was like getting Dak under center more and running play action off that and not just shotgun all the time. And, and maybe that will help. Uh, at this point, what hurts? Right? Yeah. I mean, that that's part of your package. Go to it. And Mike McCarthy, you're an offensive guy. You're a quarterback guru. You, we, We've talked about you with Joe Montana and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. It's okay to you voice your opinion in these things, too, and kind of get involved. So it's on not just telling. It's on, it's on the head ball coach, too. Well, that leads to this question, man. You know, when you say the offense has got to do a lot more, essentially, for them to accomplish their goals in the postseason and compete for a championship and all that stuff, what about this? What if we just simply say sports is fluid and what's true today is not necessarily true tomorrow, and we say the defense is playing at an elite level and this offense just needs to be don't turn the ball over, don't mess the game up, score what you can, be average, and ride this defense to victories instead of, uh, instead of the offense, which is what we thought it was going to be earlier in the year. As great as the defense has played, I don't believe that is how you can win in today's NFL. And I don't think you can look at the rest of the NFC and say, ride this defense to victory because the last three games the Cowboys have won, Taysom Hill, Taylor Heineke, and Mike Glennon have been the quarterback. None of those guys are ever going to be confused with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Tyler Murray. Who am I missing? The last real quarterback they played was Derek Carr, and he threw for 400 yards on or 300 yards on him. So when you get to the playoffs, you're not going to be facing quarterbacks that will give you the opportunities for so many takeaways. You might get one, and you better get it. 
um, you, you right, maybe you can get two, and you better get it. Um, but I think that's why you can't rely on the defense solely, in my view, to win this thing because they're going to start facing better quarterbacks when the games get bigger. That those guys don't turn the ball over, they don't make mistakes. And I know I'm saying that after Brady was very bad against New Orleans, and but Rogers, we've seen Rogers in the playoffs. We've seen Rodgers with a bad leg in the playoffs against the Cowboys and beat him. We, you know, so I, I don't think that's the right formula. They need to be a team that can pre- put pressure on the other team's offense to keep up with them a little bit as well and not be so reliant on the defense getting four takeaways a week. You're such a party pooper. <laughs> but it's true, though. I agree with you. I, I don't care if it's true. Right. I mean, isn't it true? It is because you're like, right. I mean, maybe in the wild card round, maybe you're not playing the best quarterback. But if you're trying to get to the NFC title game in the divisional round, you're not going to face a quarterback who's going to throw you three picks. They just won't They won't force Josh, the ball. They won't. You know, I, I've known Jacques since, well, well before I moved here, but we, we've worked together since 2003. And I can't believe you just called me a party football when you're the one who always says, I know what a Super Bowl team looks like, and they can do it. And really, you're going <laughs> to like say that this, this defense is going to be something that can carry you? When you and another thing you say, you want to impress me, beat this guy. Well, I mean, they, they've beaten Tyler Haneke and freaking Taysom Hill and Mike Glennon, and this, this week to get Haneke or Garrett Gilbert. If depending on what's going on with COVID there or, or Allen, depending on what's going on with COVID, and then you got then you got Kyle Murray. And to me, that we've always looked at that January second game as like a big game where it might fit in home field advantage or playoff seating. Well, that'll be a tell-all game, I think, for how the Cowboys' defense is because that was an offense that just shredded the Cowboys a year ago. So impress me, to quote Zach Taylor, do it against Arizona. Man, you worse than my kids using my words against me. This is shameful. <laughs> but it, it, fluid. it is true, though. Uh, it's, that is, that, you know what? If there's one thing I've learned from Jacques, it's that sports is fluid. And it's true. <laughs> but, I, I mean, when we have life this conversation. Let's be honest. Life is fluid. Man, that that's the truth. Life is fluid. But when we look at this, I mean, we all expect Washington coming in on a short week, dealing with all the COVID crap they've got to deal with. You kind of pointed out, we expect you beat them. Okay, so what? But then the reality is, what, what do we expect to see against Arizona? And I, I, it's hard for me, like say the offense comes back and plays Arizona, and it's like, oh, okay, well, then what is that? Because all we've seen for seven or eight games in a row is what we're seeing. And now you're running out of opportunities to show us that you can get back to that point before the playoffs start. And the defense, to your point, Todd, I think is is true. These quarterbacks in the playoffs don't let balls sail and, and don't make – now, sure, that you may throw a pick or two. You're, I don't know that you're turning it over four or five times. Right. And, and we can look at – yeah, they're getting the takeaways. And aside from the last couple of weeks, I would say, they've given up a ton of big plays all year. And, again, they're going to be facing better quarterbacks, better offenses. So, you know, you, you better tighten that ship down a little bit. I said ship. Not the other one. Oh, I was going to say, um, tighten that shit down. You're feeling a little good about yourself, no, buddy. No, no, no. I knew you were going there. That's why I came out and said that. <laughs> so you so you better, you know, there's still element in, in the run game. You know, we saw a fourth and one play pop for 25 yards. Uh, you saw a couple of big plays from the, from the Giants offense. So there's concerns, and I'm not trying to dog the defense, but I'm also trying to, like, project on where things are. But I do think if, like, 
okay, you got the running game going here a little bit. If you can get the passing game going with it this week, next week, Philly in the final uh, game of the season, then you can start thinking, okay, they, they got themselves a little something here. Then you, you win a home playoff game, okay, you can build your confidence. It, it, it's not going to take seven weeks for this offense to feel good about itself again. I really think it might take one week of this offense to feel good about itself again after what they've been through for really every game but Atlanta since since Jack has been back. I, I, I almost – and the baseball deal, right? Does the home run hitter always go up there looking to hit the home run and really to bust out of the slump, he just needs a little pop fly to fall between the second base and the right fielder to get a single, and then he feels good about himself. Maybe that's what this defense or offense needs. They're trying to hit the home run. They really need a little blooper bleeder kind of deal to get them going. And, and look, it, it, it can happen this week uh, against Washington. Then you carry it over to Arizona. Then you carry it to Philly. And all of a sudden, you, you're looking a lot different or feeling a lot different about yourself going into the playoffs. Uh, it might help to get to get back at the crib, man, um, and see if they can find a little bit of mm-hmm. offensive rhythm. It is hard to play three in a row on the road. Uh, they should be energized by the crowd and all of that. Um, but I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what they can do because the bottom line, I think, is without the big plays, you're not going to. Uh, you're not going to really score points on a consistent basis. So it's trying to figure out how to how to create those where there's somebody's got to make a play, make a guy miss, and take you to the house. But uh, they got to figure some way to get some big plays back in the field. Right, and maybe there's more. Is that more Tony Pollard in the in the run game than than Zeke, where you're kind of relying on Zeke to muddy it up and get in the dirty yards and then you kind of pop Paul it a little bit and make his foot feeling fine um, is there more motion and bunches and things like that to kind of get get the confusion in that secondary because it does seem it's a little bit like robot football a little bit like Garrett football that we saw where it's like everybody run six yards and turn around oh there's a lot of creativity there like it just doesn't seem to be a lot of and that's kind of hard to do when they're playing zones I mean it it's not, you know, you're not going to throw on cover two. You're not just going to throw throw deep every single time. You got to be patient. You got to be patient. But there's got to be a way where you can be, be creative and flexible enough to give your guys enough opportunities to make plays. And I don't know if, if they're getting enough of that right now for whatever the reason. And it doesn't matter what the reason is. They just need to figure it out. You know, Jacques mentioned that coming back home, and, and we had kind of talked about that a couple of days ago, Jacques and I, that. You know, you're talking about a team that's played four out of the last five games on the road. They win three straight on the road. The only game in within that five-game stretch at home was, of course, the Thanksgiving overtime game against the Raiders, which is also the only game in the last five they've put up over 400 yards of offense. How much do you think it matters for this team to have a couple of weeks here at home, back-to-back home games? Yeah, that, and that can help them, too. You look at their red zone numbers. I mean, at home, they're – gosh, don't hold me to it. I think they're 78% touchdown rate in the red zone at home and 30 something away from home so that that should help i mean they're, they're two of 11 in their last two games um in, in the red zone so you know being back home they, they've shown themselves to be a much different team at home this year than, than on the road offensively and scoring points now i'm not going to say like you know, remember back in the day you think well that's a dome team right and they're only good because there's no elements and they don't have to worry about this, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that and that's the reason so much because it's a dome team. I just think there's, there's a comfort level uh, that, that that they have at the place. And it's, I don't think it's 
elements has kept the Cowboys from scoring points on the road. I think it's been execution more than anything. So if you get these next two at home uh, against the team in Washington, at, hey, they're bringing their own benches. So that's certainly going to help them in a, con- a climate-controlled stadium. You better bring your own heated benches to that place. Boy, what a great troll that is, huh? What a bunch of morons up there. <laughs> uh, and then you play in Arizona, which, you know, they've kind of hit a wall here a little bit. So, yeah, these next two home games mixed around Christmas and New Year's can give the Cowboys an opportunity to, to get themselves rolling a little bit. Maybe that's the mojo they need. What's the take? What's the t- what's your that's a, take that's a story on idea. Uh, I'll take care of that before you get to it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> What's your take on their shitty red zone offense? They played before the Washington one. They never really got deep in the red zone. And one of the times where they, one of the trips was the kneel down at the end of the game. So you want to say they're one of five? Okay, they're one of five and not one of six. Um, I think, you know, the screen game does work well in the red zone. We've seen other teams have success with it. Right now, it's not working for the Cowboys because, again, like if they're throwing that quick bubble screen to CD or, or Gallup or whoever, that first guy is not getting his block. So if that first guy can't get anybody, that's going nowhere. If that's just not a boom and go, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but they're just not – I said it earlier. They're not piercing enough. They're just willing to go horizontally in the red zone. And again, I know it's harder to do because there's not a lot of space, but they don't seem to be like taking any shots. I'm not saying like you throw it to the end zone every time, but where's trap pass, right? Where you fake it, you pull the guard, and then there's the tight end or, or the slot receiver down the seam because the, the linebacker's bite. Where's that pass? So I guess a 20 yard play every single time Tom Brady and, and uh, Gronk run it. That's a play the Cowboys have used quite well with Jason Witten, with Blake Jarwin, even with Dalton Schultz. So. You know, I, I think there are ways that they have to kind of be create scenarios for themselves in the red zone and don't just rely on one-on-one ability to get it done. Okay, yeah, throw a fade every now and then to Amari, to Gallup, CD, fine. But you can't make a living on fades in the red zone because that you want to be better in 50-50, and sometimes fades down there aren't even 40-60. How much of the offense do you think is – and this is always a, a weird thought, I guess, but the play calling with Cullen Moore and some of the things that we've seen. Like, for instance, you go back to the Giants game on that third and seven from, like, whatever it was inside the 10, I think, and they ran a draw. And I, I my only thought was maybe they were going to go for it on fourth down if they could have picked up a few more. They were. I, okay. So then I that, guess in that scenario, it makes sense. But, but you see all that stuff, right. and it just seems like some of the times, you know, like you alluded to, and I know they're not calling screens all the time, but it feels like they call multiple screens a day, a, a game where they don't block it correctly. And you wonder at what point, okay, obviously our guys aren't going to block the screen because these are never working. It feels like maybe once out of every six or seven bubble screens they call, they actually get 10 yards and the rest you get hit for a loss. It, it, how much do you right. put on Kellen Moore? You got to put some of it on him, right? I mean, and, and I'm not a guy like, I hate when people criticize the play caller because it's like, why'd you run that play? You should have run this play. No shit. Like, like that's not critiquing. That's just like second guessing for the sake of second guessing. That's mm. there's there's no argument about about that. Like the three, the third and seven call. I I understood that call because they were thinking of fourth down. Well, then it turned turned into fourth and five. And I I I was watching the sideline on that play, and Kellen is calling a play in the dash, and then McCarthy sit single in the kicking team because he's like, we didn't get enough yards here, so we're just going to take the three points. Um, 
So yeah, Kellen deserves some of the some of the blame. Again, I also say the the coach is an offensive head coach. He is a play caller for yeah. years in Green Bay, in New Orleans, in San Francisco. Like he's done this. He can chime in and and help out too, and 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 get involved. So it's a little bit on it's on everybody, and then the players execute. Like I'd like to see. What was the game earlier this year? Didn't they run a screen to Pollard? It was it the Philadelphia game, or it's coming towards the press box, and he scored a touchdown on that. Like, mm. how about just a regular old screen and not one of these ones to the <laughs> to the receivers that do, awesome. doesn't seem to be generating much interest right now. So, yeah, I think it's it's on. It's easy to say, well, put it on Kellen Moore. Put it on everybody. Yeah, like like we said last week, the entire offense, whoever you want to put in that group, coaches, players assistance they're all in a slump and, and they all better figure it out and two straight home games hey maybe that's what they exactly need to get it right all no right clock management discussion about about the, the ball coach <laughs> that i mean we've well, just seen it by his explanation that it was at the threshold and that's why he just whatever he's just mccarthy that's what he does we've seen it too many times already see like okay i'm gonna take you through my thought process because i tweeted it live i go why didn't he call the timeout there because it didn't make sense. And even we saw Dak, hey, why don't I call the timeout and you throw the field? Well, through hindsight, you know, when you get gain of perspective and you can ask some questions, which we did after the game and we did again Monday, I understand what he was getting at. It was basically, I'm trying to win this game on this day against that team. And he knew there was no way the Giants were going to score on, on his with the way they were playing and the way the Cowboys defense was. So, Make it fifteen to three. Go up twelve. The game's over. And on the series prior, Dak gets sacked for minus twelve yards by a free runner. Well, if he gets sacked on the minor there in that situation with no timeouts left, they don't get any points. And the Giants maybe gain some momentum going into the locker room by holding the Cowboys without a point. The, the thing that bugs me about the analytics crowd and then the anti-analytics crowd—it's not always the same. Like. I agree with John Harbaugh when he went four for two against who did he go for it a couple of weeks ago? Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. And the he threw it, yeah, it was Pittsburgh. I agreed with that one. I didn't agree with the one this this week uh, with, with Huntley at the quarterback against who they play. Help me out. Who, who did no, Baltimore play? That Green Bay. Yeah, I didn't agree with that one because they just moved, marched it down the field and. You know, go to overtime on that one and give yourself a chance. You got the best kicker in the history of the NFL. Give yourself a chance. Like I think these sports are fluid. Decisions are fluid. And if he's in my mind, if McCarthy is going against Mahomes or, or I have to get him, he's on the other side. Brady, um, Murray, uh, Rogers, Stafford, and he sees the game's going a different way, I think he would have reacted differently. But th- that was that decision was made to win that game against that team on that day. I don't know if he – like, I, I wouldn't look at it and say, my gosh, he's going to do this later in the playoffs. It's going to kill him. Well, we don't know if he's going to do that in the playoffs against that team. And it's a silly game, another one they cite. Well, in the first series, didn't Dak get sacked and lost a fumble in the end zone coming out of his goal line? Like, so he had worries about his offensive line. So that's why he let the time go off the clock. I'm not saying I have to agree with the decision. I'm not saying any of us have to agree, agree with the decision. But just do a better job of trying to understand the decision. And if you do that, what he did against the Giants makes sense. In my mind, and maybe I'm just an idiot. Make that pull-out quote. Maybe I'm just an idiot. 
Maybe I, I will. Thought about that from time to time, but I always say no. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> Fair what, enough. That I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm an idiot. Know, part man. of. No, no, no. But no, I mean, no. I don't know. I, I, I. No coach is good at game management. We can even quibble with Belichick on game management things. So, I, I just think getting up in arms about what McCarthy did against the Giants team that was dreadful, and to portend that that's what he would do in a bigger game. Let's see. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you hope you get in a bigger game because you've not been in a one and all in an awful long time. That's very true. Todd Archer, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for hanging. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. All right. There he is. That is Todd Archer. Our very own ESPN Cowboys Insider brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. You know, they don't just sell cars. You know that. One thing that they do that Blue Star Motor Group, especially in today's market, is looking to do, Deb and her husband, Mike, they will buy your car. They are looking to buy cars right now. So if you've got a car or you've got something hanging around, maybe you have an extra car that you're not using. Maybe you could use some more money or maybe you are about to transition. Who knows? They will buy your vehicle. And the good news is most of the time they will be able to offer you more than a dealership because they don't have any overhead. It's her and her husband, Mike. They don't have to take care of all these different moving parts and all these different people. They will come to you. They will legit drive to your location and pay you cash on site for your car. Doesn't really get any better than that, man. Uh, you know, there's two things about Deb that I love. One, you can reach her anytime, any place. All you got to do is text her. She'll get back to you in a couple minutes. And it's her ability to make a deal right now. She doesn't have to check with the finance manager. She doesn't have to check with anybody, man. So all she has to do is go, yo, I think I want to make this move, and let's go do it. And the other thing is, uh, whether she's buying your car, whether they're selling you a car, um, when the handshakes are done, the paperwork's been signed, Deb and Mike want you to feel like it's been a win-win situation. Like you felt like, man, I got a great deal on this because repeat business was makes their company work. That's exactly right. And they will hook you up, make it happen for you. They will work their ass off to give you that deal. And again, again, they will come to you. They will come to you and give you cash on site for your car. So give her a call or as Jacques just told you, you can shoot her a text. Let her know what you've got. She'll ask you a couple of questions and bang, bang, they can make it happen. 817-881-4066. That is 817-881-4066. That is Deb's number, or you can check them out online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. And of course, once you go to Blue Star Motor Group, whether you give them a vehicle or not, at some point, you're going to have to make your way to Freeway Tire Shop. You're going to need some new tires. You're going to need an oil change, a state inspection. There's a variety of, of the... Not every day, but the regular maintenance, I guess, is the way to put it, that you're doing every two, three, four months. Maybe you need some serious work, like some of Jacques' cars, but the reality of it is, no matter what it is, competitive pricing, elite customer service, and a mechanic you can trust in JR, his guys will get it taken care of. The tr key word you said, man, is trust, man. And uh, that's why I take my cars to JR. Um, I trust him to diagnose the problem. I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to give me a fair price, man. How about that? Can you just give me a fair price to fix my car? And then I trust him to stand behind his work, man. That's why I take all my cars to him. Y'all know I've got six of them. There's one of them there now. There's probably been one there for about the last six months. <laughs> 
But it's all good, man, because he stands by his work. He does great work. And uh, I think I told y'all, he just put a, a brand new engine in my Challenger. And so that's good for about another 150,000 miles. And I'll see my dude, you know, through the end of his collegiate career. So make it happen at Freeway Tire Shop. And again, keep in mind, you can check them out online, schedule your appointment, request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. All right, before we wrap this thing up, Christmas time is here. And I'm going to be traveling quite a bit in the next several days. I will be, it's really interesting because I'm going to be in Dallas all of next week doing my radio show because Alabama is there for the AT&T Cotton Bowl, obviously the college football semifinal against Cincinnati. It's, they're staying at the Hilton Anatole. So the media stay at the Omni Hotel, but this media stays at Mom and Dad Hotel. <laughs> And I thought that was interesting. I was like, well, you know, there's a media hotel. And the station's like, yeah, but you can stay for free at your parents. I was like, okay. But that's how it works sometimes. I mean, hey, I guess. But no, it's fine. And, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'll be doing my shows probably from my parents' house. I, I don't know. I may see if I can put in to do a couple of days down at the hotel because they have like a little radio row area. And there's some media stuff like, they, you know, it's the same as like going, it's not on the level of the Super Bowl at all at like not, not even the national championship game is, but you know, they do a little media party and they have a gathering and it's kind of cool and stuff like that. And I'll know a lot of people coming into town with a chance to show them what Dallas can be all about, which I think is fun, but a lot of traveling in the next several days and 85 degree Christmas day weather. So we're all excited about that. And you know, it'll be fun because I'll tell you what I got my parents after Christmas is surpassed after we get through that because I think I got something really cool for each of them and my brothers too. But I'm looking forward to it and, and I just wanted to say thanks to everybody for listening and Merry Christmas to everybody. And, you know, if you don't like Christmas, if you're the person who when I say Merry Christmas, you're like, I don't celebrate Christmas. Well, Merry whatever the hell you like. I, I don't care. I mean... <laughs> Mary, whatever the hell you like. I like that, bro. Well, I, I just like think that. it's weird. Like, people are like, I, I don't, like, why would you get mad that somebody's telling you Merry Christmas? Like, well, I don't celebrate Christmas. Okay, well, I didn't say, hey, I want to punch you in the face, you asshole. You know, I was trying to be nice to you and say a nice greeting. So happy holidays. I mean, for real, like, if, if you don't celebrate Christmas, that's cool. I mean, I, just enjoy whatever it is that you celebrate. And if you don't do anything on the 25th, well, enjoy whatever it is that you do on the 25th. Whatever it is, bro. But Christmas is fun, and man, it snuck up on us this year. Um, I I can't even deny that, man. I, I was trying to figure out how I was going to say this, but you know, between you know, spending so much time with Jackson State this month yeah. uh, as they were making a championship run, I looked up and I was like, "Oh, Christmas has arrived," and I haven't even done my last minute stuff. Mm. And now it's like, you know, you're getting the crunch time and, and in terms of websites being able to deliver stuff on time for Christmas. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that happened to me, even with Amazon. Like, it got to a point. That's what I'm talking. I'm like, yeah. you know, it's it's nut cutting time. <laughs> it really is. Because we had a, th I had a couple things I wanted to order. And I, I had some stuff sent to my lady friend's mom's house because we'll be there for a couple days. And then I had some other stuff sent to my parents' house. And they're just, right. it, 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 it's going to arrive, and I'll just have my mom wrap it up, I guess, because we'll get there at 5 o'clock on Christmas Day. But just because of how much we're traveling, and I was kind of, I don't I just, I don't know what it was this year that Christmas just felt like it just all of a sudden, it, here's Christmas. 
And I know that it's the same amount of time as it is every year, but I, I feel like sometimes mentally I'm more ready for it or prepared than other years. Yeah, I think, you know, when you used to get two weeks off um, from the radio station, then, yeah, you got plenty of time to get yeah. ready for it. But now since we're working, man, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's all good. And I did order my son some stuff this morning, and uh, I was able to get it in, and it, it actually is supposed to arrive, like, I think it was Prime, so I think it arrives, like, in a day or two. Oh, very nice. And uh, there's a couple other things I'm trying to get done, um, you know. And then, you know, this happens when you can't uh, when you can't get it all done. You say, "Okay, let me be creative." <laughs> and so, <clears throat> yes. and so yeah. now this, so I came up with a good creative gift, man. Now, mind you, I'm not breaking no news. This is not like, oh my god, I've never heard of this. It's just like I haven't, I've never given this for a gift before. Um, but it's a car detail, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I've got a guy who does it at a good price and does a really good job. And so I sent him a text today and said, "Yo." Uh, I'm buying about four car details and I'm giving them out for Christmas. I'll pay you on Friday. Um, and when these people come to collect, get your ass over there and do it in a, you know, in a hurry. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's just kind of the way that Christmas goes. I mean, it's trying to figure out something cool for everybody. And a couple people, I think I might've waited too late, but you kind of go a different direction. And then with my son, I was going to get him something and I finally texted my ex and I said, Hey, what did you get him for Christmas? Cause I was just making sure that we, we didn't, cause I had a Double feeling that she would know that he probably wanted this too. And sure right. enough, she got, she goes, well, I got him this. And I go, damn it. I was like, that's what I was going to get him. And I'd been waiting. I don't know. I should have pulled the trigger earlier, but whatever. So then I had to get creative with him and she told me he needs new tennis shoes. I was like, well, he's growing. Obviously, he needs them. I was like, well, I'll just take them when I'm in town, and I'll let him pick some out, and we'll just get some shoes together or whatever. My son is 10. He turns 11 in January. He wears a men's size 9. All right. All right. I thought, that seems like a large foot for a 10-year-old. God. Well, it could be. But, I mean, his old man is like, what, 6'2", 6'3"? So. Yeah, 6'3". And then his grandfather, you know, my dad's 6'5", so... Right. And um, is Maddox still playing basketball? I he he does not in an organized league. And I don't know. It's interesting. I, you know, because I grew up playing sports and I've put him in some sports and we've done that a little bit before. But I think he's he's going to go in a different direction. It's interesting. All right. Um, I, I think, was just asking because that, you know, that because we're talking about shoes, yeah, and basketball yeah. and shoe size and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. I it, He'd kind of expressed some interest in getting into baseball again and maybe doing that. And I've mentioned some other stuff to him. I was like, I don't know. Because I told him, I was like, dude, you need to get into swimming. I was like, your body, with you have massive hands. You have these huge, long legs and feet. You could kill it at swimming. He's like, well, I don't want to do that. I was like, I think you'd enjoy it. He goes, I don't think I would. I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's funny because I'm not a car guy. I'm not into cars at all. Never have been. Don't know why. Right. Just never have been. He right. told me, he's like, you know, he goes, what I think I would be really cool. He's like, could you get me a book about the history of cars, like all the cars ever made from the, from when they first started making them till now? And he's mentioned some stuff about cars before. And I was like, you're really into cars, huh, dude? And like he collects like the little Hot Wheels even now. And like Carl will drive by and he kind of knows like the type of car it is and stuff. I was like, maybe you're going to be, hell, maybe you'll be the next Elon Musk and design a car or something like that. I don't know. Dude, you never know where your kid's passion will take them. I know. I was like, um, please be that guy. That would be awesome. 
So, uh, nah, man. It's uh, uh, Now, you know, I'm shopping for teenagers, which is yeah. far more difficult than shopping for when they were little kids. Oh, no doubt. Because the stuff that they want costs more now. So, you know, you used to get like eight boxes. Now yep. I'm like, bruh. Oh, you know, it's part of that update. You know, he got this tattoo. I guess I'll shoot it out today since a few people have asked about it. Uh, you know, he got this tattoo. And I, I was sorry, Matt. It wasn't 800. It was 1,200. Whoa. Wow. Okay. No but wonder again, it was so damn bad. Even at 825, I, I still was like, that's, man. Right. Again, that's why, it, uh, that's why it looked the way it looked. And again, if you're going to get a tat, it's, it's like body art for life. You should go ahead and spend the money. And so to that, I said, happy birthday. <laughs> nice. And now with Christmas coming up, you know, he got a letter jacket. And, you know, back in the day, man, we got a letter jacket uh, for playing football or basketball or swimming or whatever you do. The school used to take that cost, bro. Yeah, they did. That is no longer the case, my friend. Really? That is no longer the case. And so, um, uh, dude, that was like 350 bro. And I'm like, man, these things are starting to add up. I guess that's, uh, that's on your Christmas list, huh? He's like, no, not really. I was like, <laughs> I was like, like All right. yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> man. So I got him a couple more things, but that's it, bro. I was like, you, uh, your stuff is expensive, my brother. Yeah, it's funny because I was mentioning that to my parents the other night. I was like, you know, as you... And once you're a parent, you start understanding, like, I remember one time when I bought a pair of glasses several years ago, I texted my dad and I was like, Hey, thanks for always buying me glasses. Cause I just had to buy my first pair really as an adult. And I had no idea that it was like this. It's like, Oh my, like what a beating for you that you work your ass off. And then you got to buy your kid a $300 pair of glasses or whatever it is, you know? And it's just little things like that, that you gain that understanding of. And one of those, I was telling my parents this the other night when I was talking to him on the phone, is like like Maddox, for instance, he likes video games as all little kids his age do. And last year I got him a couple of games and, you know, like a new one of them he had been asking about for forever and it came out around Christmas. So I just bought it. It was new. It was like 60 bucks. And I thought, you know, he played that probably for about the first month when he would come over and then he never asked about it ever again. And I, I thought <laughs> and my parents like, yep, that's how it goes sometimes. And I just thought. I just spent 60 bucks on this game you really wanted. You talked about the game more leading up to it than you played it once it actually got here. Dude, that's how they trick you, man. You got to really figure out <laughs> it what's, is. what's important to them and what's, um, what's, um, what's moving them. Yeah. Because uh, you don't want to get trapped like that. No, you don't. You don't. And, and that's like one of the things that Maddox had asked for that I might get him when he, cause I'll have him out here this summer for a little bit. And he'd asked, he's like, can I have a, can I get a model car? I was like, well, what do you mean by model? Like you want to build like a little car and stuff? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, I don't know if you know what goes into that dude. Like you, you know, those are intricate parts and you got to have paint and all that. So I was like, I don't know if I just give that to you, but that might be something fun. You know, it's interesting. Like, he started to express all his interest in cars. I was like, hell, I mean, who knows what you can do with that. So, but it'd be nice to have somebody in, around that knew a lot more about cars than me. <laughs> I'll take it. That'll work. For sure. And that, my friends, is the podcast. So enjoy. Have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy time with family. Like I mentioned, keep in mind, no podcast on Friday. Christmas Eve, there will not be a podcast. We will be back we will knock one out after the Washington game Sunday night. And that'll probably be a quick one because I'll be at my parents' house recording that when everybody else is trying to go to sleep after the Cowboys game. So, 
That ought to be interesting. That'll be fun. You know what? You know what we could do, though? Because Chris will be there. So maybe we'll have Chris on and, and have him sit down for a bit and talk to us a little bit. Who knows? I mean. Yeah, who knows where, where his adventures have taken him over the last three months. Yeah, because he hadn't been on in a while. And he's been, I mean, he did a few weeks in Miami. And he's been all over the place still. So, I mean, hell, he did like a month by himself. Remember when he went to Croatia for Yacht Week? He stayed there for a month and went all around Eastern Europe unbelievable it is so maybe we'll talk to him and and all that but everybody enjoy it thank you so much for your support here this year and for everything that you do and supporting our sponsors and the retweets and everything really appreciate it very much so i hope you enjoy your time with your family and we will talk to you after christmas and get you ready for post-game cowboys and looking ahead to arizona and dallas the following week thanks for listening to the jam session podcast make sure to find us on instagram at jam session cast of course you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.